0: Hello and welcome back to How Good Is That? Friday the 13th. And we are well out of the Friday the 13th's and we are into the Jason's. This time it is about not just with Jason, but also with Freddy Krueger. Welcome back, everybody, and if this is your first time, welcome, and why are you starting here? My name is Max. I'm Sam. Yes, she is, and she is on point. She was looking down when I did it, and then she hurried up and looked up and talked into her microphone, which is impressive, because she normally, what was this, probably 11 episodes ago, you probably would have just looked down and gone, oh, <laughs> Nobody would have heard it. I would have had to turn it up. There would have been a bunch of washer and dryer noise, all real loud, just so you could barely hear, oh, dude. I'm learning. You are. You're doing much better with addressing your microphone. Thank you. We are doing Freddy versus Jason. We are one film away from finishing this season of How Good Is That? How does that make you feel? Happy. Why is that? Because <laughs> of doing this. You don't like doing the podcasts.
1: <laughs> eh, you're putting me on the spot.
0: So you don't like doing the podcasts. It's okay. You just want to. You don't want to hurt everybody's feelings. You're trying to be nice. Yeah. When I'm done the podcast, I'm like, I hate doing
1: the podcast part.
0: I, like, I watched the movie, but I hate the podcast part. There's <laughs> a so look behind the curtain. Should save this for the last episode, but there's a little spoiler. Sam is not good with speaking. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> there's a politer way to say that, but I just avoided it completely and went for the rudest possible line there.
1: Sam is not good at speaking. That's pretty accurate, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't know that because we cut out all the likes and ums and uhs we do. So they really probably think we're actually pretty verbose. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I use words like verbose. Like, listen to that guy. He knows verbose. You do like
1: this, make yourself sound smart.
0: I do. Really, I am dumb. I hide (laughs) it behind a lot of words. (laughs) Speaking of dumb, we watched Freddy versus Jason this time on the podcast. This one is a lot different than some of the other ones because we're not only looking at Jason, we're looking at Freddy. And this film has a lot of heavy lifting to do in terms of explaining both of the main character's backstories and coming up with a compelling reason they have to fight while still wrapping it all up in at least some version of a horror film. This is a really, really impressive job here by Damian Shannon and Mark Swift, irrespective of my opinion or anybody's opinion. You gotta give them props for having explained both backstories, tied them together in at least a cohesive way as far as the script is concerned they had to tie them together in some fashion and then cause a reason for them to fight when one exists in the dream world and one exists in the real world so hats off before i say anything good bad or indifferent to the writing team and of course to ronnie you who directed this film and again more comments on all that to come but i do want to acknowledge the herculean task that this film had beset upon it so pretty impressive sam what did you think of this film what's your overall thought on it
1: with what you just said it definitely made more sense than most of the Jason's movies
0: I agree with that too
1: so I liked it you liked it I did
0: good so you've only ever seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street and possibly the remake you maybe think I think so do you feel like as a non-Freddy aficionado you were able to follow the logic of Freddy Krueger reasonably through this film yes okay well that's yeah, good it's not sure. they simplify everything down a lot of course you've seen this even over something as simple as friday the 13th as the movie evolves it gets more backstory and little pieces and nuggets of information especially in jason goes to hell we get a ton of made-up story plot points and rules and things freddie is very much that franchise nightmare on um street is guilty of that through a good chunk of them not that i'm bagging on Nightmare on Elm Street and I will lay my opinion out here now while we're talking about it. As a franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street is light years ahead for me over Friday the 13th.
1: Well, you made me watch Friday the 13th. Yeah. Oh. Well,
0: it was mostly because I got that cool box set that Scream Factory put out. Uh-huh. Again, Scream Factory hit me up for any kind of sponsorship opportunity, but I will plug their good product even without any kind of sponsorship because it is quality. When I got it, I was all excited and showed Sam and she was like, oh, I haven't seen really. I don't know if I think I've seen the remake so we should watch those at some point. And then it came up. We needed, how good is that? We talked about this months before, but the first Friday the 13th of the year, I believe, was in August. So we decided to start the podcast release in August. It let us go all the way through Halloween. Nice spooky time podcast for everybody to enjoy. It all just kind of fell into place very neatly so that's why you got stuck with Friday the 13th and it's been a much longer time since I've watched all of the Friday the 13ths. recently for Tapes and Scowls check us out capesandscowlspodcast.com you can check us out there listen to Tapes and Scowls me and Tim review every single movie we watch I did the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series for that podcast so it was already done Oh, okay. I didn't need you for that one. Oh, thanks. But you are welcome to watch them. I'll watch them with you anytime you want. Because again, for as far as horror franchises go, I think that's my favorite. Because I definitely like... I think Halloween as a franchise is weaker. Uh, it's... Uh, the bad... Uh, it's bad. It gets bad. But I think... The original Halloween is probably, from a filmmaking standpoint, the strongest of all of these films, Fridays or Nightmares, though I personally like Nightmare on Elm Street OG better than Halloween. It's by a finger razor blade. It's very close. They're both some of the best horror you're going to watch in your lifetime. Just pivotal. Yeah, I think that Halloween, the worst of the worst is worse, maybe even than like our Jason X Friday the 13th part five stuff like Halloween five, Halloween six, Halloween resurrection. (sighs) Ooh, they're bad, but I love me some Halloween 3. Ooh, I love Halloween 3, and I love Halloween 1. These new ones are pretty good. Rob Zombie's Halloween's poop. Do you have them all? No. I have one. I have three. I think I have two on a double pack because I had three on DVD with it for a long time, but I since have gotten a Blu-ray of Halloween 3 because I love it. I love it so much. Again, to call out. Scout Factory has just put out a new Blu-ray set, 4K, of the original. I think they did a, the whole lineup of them, and I need to snag their part one, because I don't give a fuck about Two, I think, is a reasonably made horror film, but I have one of the biggest pieces of baggage with any horror franchise of all time with Halloween 2, and I'll save that for another time. If you want to hear it, just let us know. Social media, check us out. Superliminal Films. Except for Twitter, FLM. Getting into Freddy versus Jason, however, you think it was fairly easy to follow the logic, so Freddy's trying to use JSON as a puppet to make the kids all think that Freddy is committing murders again in the town of Springwood, really it's actually Jason who he's manipulated to go from Crystal Lake to Springwood in order to kill these kids and make them think that it's him. Without kids being afraid of him, he has no power. So it's a pretty interesting one in terms of very simple starting gun, and I think that was really the key. You probably don't know anything about the the backstory of how this film got made, but there was dozens upon dozens of scripts submitted for this particular franchise. New Line put out a ton of writer assignments for this one. Not a whole lot of really good storylines came back. There's some crazy ones that I've heard in the past. There is a really nice documentary about Nightmare on Elm Street. It's called Never Sleep Again. It chronicles a lot of what went on in this film, as does the documentary Crystal Lake Memories, which is also really good. But both of them are long. The Nightmare on Elm Street one kind of start was the starting gun for these hyper long movie documentaries. It was one of the early ones. Leviathan was another early one that did that for Hellraiser. These like crazy, you have to be like a super fan to want to watch, but Never Sleep Again is like four hours and change. And Crystal Lake Memories is well over six hours. It's nearly seven hours long. And he wants me to watch it help i've breached the subject of watching it as a way to have a little refresher going into making our lists was all i didn't insist we had to watch it i just said as an aside we could watch it it also includes friday the 13th the series which we could skip and i think that's like 40 45 minutes of the runtime. So not really meaning much in a world of
1: so it'll be six hours instead of six hours and 40 minutes
0: right shorter than Zack snyder's justice league bullshit yeah <laughs> So this film has a lot to do. Immediately, what did you think of, I want to bring this up early, what did you think of the tone of this particular movie?
1: I liked it.
0: You liked it. Did you think it was cartoony or did you think it was serious?
1: I guess it was a little cartoony, dreamy cartoony.
0: Ronnie Yu has a style. He also did Bride of Chucky, if you've ever seen The Bride of Chucky. He directed this film as well. And he has a really odd style. And I don't know if you're familiar. I'm sure you're not. But for those of you out there who are familiar with a lot of the Asian kung fu horror cinema, I'm talking like Chinese ghost story kind of stuff. Ronnie Yu has definitely developed a version of that. It's slick. It's polished. He cares so much about what's on screen and it works pretty well considering it's a movie based around a fight. He's a good director to use for it. He's good at the action sequences, but he's also good at encapsulating the horror. But I feel like he has a very cartoony, pseudo serious tone. I don't think it reads as confused, though, like we've seen with Jason X or Friday the 13th Part 5, some of the worst of the worst Part 3, some of the lesser. Friday the 13th had this, we talked about, like this confused tone where they don't know if it's a they're going to play it straight or they're playing it for like ham it up for kicks but ronnie you kind of is able to do both and i don't hate it which is really different and normally something i've griped at griped on during the runtime of this podcast but for this it kind of actually works because i don't think anybody's going into Freddy versus jason not expecting it to be at least a little bit silly mm-hmm. on the whole have a pretty positive impression of this film. I think that it has a lot of misses, but I think overall it is more successful than it is not. I don't think it's my favorite by a long stretch i do tend to enjoy it a little bit more because freddie's in it but i think it's a pretty shabby film but it does enough to get by on its own merit so it's much better than jason x coming off of that <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think my problem with it, it's got a lot of drag to it where like a lot happens and then it slows down and then a lot happens and it slows down in these like weird little intervals it's almost like in a True martial arts style, it's trying to move to its set pieces, but it does a very clunky job of moving to its set pieces. So I think that is part of the reason I'm not in love with this film is the pace is some of the rockiest we've had in a long time in one of these movies where it's just kind of plotty and then speeds up but doesn't ever really kick itself off. It's plotty and then stops and is plotty and then stops. And it just doesn't quite get out of its own way in terms of being pretty damn clunky. Up until about, I guess, Act 3, it kind of does some moving. But there's also story elements that kind of get, like, shoved together. And there's some weird stuff. And one thing I'm referencing specifically, and again, spoilers, Lori's mother, is she's died before the film begins. And she thinks it's from a car accident. Her boyfriend thinks that it's the father who's killed killed the mother, but in reality Freddie kills the mother. Lori kind of sees this in a dream sequence that Freddie's showing her for some reason. It's so bizarre and there's such this leap of logic to make Lori think that Freddie indeed killed her mother. It doesn't quite land for me. It's a really strange bit of business in the film. A lot of the backstory stuff tends to get brushed away and you have to kind of excuse a few things. The relationship with Lori and Will is another good example. I wrote you letters. I didn't get any letters. Oh, they must not have sent them. Like, what? Did you think she was getting the letters even though she wasn't ever writing you back? Then what? It doesn't make much sense to me that... He would begin to think that there was something where she wasn't angrier at him for never sending anything to her. He just shows up. I'm here to save you. She passes out. You know, you didn't get the letters I wrote you? It's just like, really? Did we have to put that in there? It just feels a little hammy. The dialogue in this movie is rough. It's probably one of my biggest gripes in terms of the writing. Outside of the pace, which again goes from clunky to fast, from clunky to fast, characters in this movie are awful. I kind of borderline hate every character in this film. Every character is such a rough cliche it's really it rubs me the wrong way that friday the 13th part 5 rubs me the wrong way where there's no time for these characters so instead of trying to make them anything worthwhile they just make them as absolutely caricature as possible laurie is very typical good girl to the point like the bad guys are calling her princess where she's she's a virgin she saved herself for the man she loves she just want to do it with any other guys and it's just like oof she wears white through the whole movie like this is not subtle stuff we're dealing with here will is typical good guy character I like Jason Ritter a lot as an actor I just don't feel like he had a lot of meat on the bone to work with from the script he just shows up and is good guy because he's a good guy his buddy easily is able to get them out of the facility they're being treated in and if he could have done that a while ago why didn't he do that he just didn't he could have the whole time but he did okay all the female characters outside of laurie are also just kind of non-existent you have kelly Rowland, who's got the two snaps in a circle attitude that was popular back then if you remember that okay good So, so she's got that attitude going on you have typical nerd kid You have very, very cliche stoner character. This character is literally Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. No question. It wasn't like they were inspired to write the character based on Jason Mewes. They lifted that completely from Kevin Smith and was just like, we're giving him long blonde hair. We're giving him uh, the hat. We're giving him the voice. It's not like the kid has a similar build to Jason because Jason's very uh, tall and lean. This kid's a little bit more square he's not husky or anything but he's definitely more average build than jason is who's a lot leaner but it's just like whew, same demeanor same delivery it's just like they were just like watch Jane, silent bob and then do that thing Painful. All that stuff is rough. I really don't like it. But again, kudos to the writing team for being able to get through a lot of that. They had to do something I griped about on Jason X and I'll gripe about it here. There's so much going on they have to deal with that they just wanted to put something out that was easy. Here's characters everybody knows. Archetypical nerd, snappy best friend, white knight in shining armor, the prized princess. Woof. Like there's like, we don't want anybody to have to think for a second. We just want them to worry about about Freddy versus Jason. That's it. And again, that's kind of what they were here to do. So you can't bag on that too much, but I do dislike pretty much every character in this. The only character that I really like is the dude that's killed first, Trey. Only character I like.
1: Why did you like him?
0: I like him because this shows that the writing team is actually two very talented writers, and they are. Immediately, you knew that dude was a dick. Mm -hmm. He only had to deliver... One to two lines of dialogue and you knew that guy was a complete bastard and a piece of trash. Perfect. That's all you need. Those kind of really abusive, nasty relationships don't need a whole lot to sell it. The actor got it, did his part really well. In the movie for two minutes of screen time maybe before he's dead Mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if it was less than two minutes of screen time before he's dead and you're happy he's dead because he's a fucking prick and it's not just a caricature at that young an age we're talking like they're seniors in high school most likely for a guy to be that nasty and abusive that early i think is a bold choice for them to have made for a character like that he knows he's great like you know so i can explain that character much farther than i could explain the girl gib like i can't really what is she she's a plot device Mm -hmm. because we needed somebody to be able to mourn the guy who's dead, even though he was kind of a dick. We needed her to have a reason to be extraordinarily drunk in the cornfield and the rave guy attempt to rape her.
1: I knew that from the very start.
0: You did. You called that as soon as that guy was near. You're like, he's going to rape her. I was like, maybe he's trying to find help. And you weren't buying it for a second. So let's talk about that for a minute while we're talking about the writing and then we'll transition into Ronnie Yu's direction. This film has some really problematic shit in it. Very problematic indeed. Rape? Not okay. If it's a serious reason and there's something you're dealing with, I can excuse. There's an entire genre of films. There are some that I do like in the rape revenge subgenre of exploitation. The reason is the terrible things have to happen in order for the character to come come back from the brink and take over the film. And I'm not trying to that something like an I Spit on Your Grave or Thriller are great pieces of cinema that everybody should run out and see but I think they are I think they defend the terrible things that happen in the film because of what it is just to casually have a guy attempt to rape this girl for, no for seemingly no reason exactly it does nothing
1: because he just saw her pass out on the ground
0: yeah it's nothing what is the point what are you trying to say is it a is it is it the writers trying to get a jab in at the current what is that gen it's a gen z that's before millennials i think or maybe it's early millennial i forget i think it how. might be
1: early millennial but probably, would it be about what you are
0: 2003 i graduated in 2004 so, so yeah they yeah, were slightly older than me yeah is that what they're trying to get a jab in at? Is how terrible the youths become like i'm not really sure why it exists that's not okay Derogatory comments and underhanded kind of dialogue about people's race or people's sexual orientation, very not okay. And this film feels like, at parts, that it was made in the 80s. It's very filthy in that way. Like It surprises me that this film came out when it did because of dropping certain lingo that I'm not going to drop on this podcast. Other implications and things like that. It's like characters paying for sex. It's just like very strange that this is stuff that we're discussing in 2003 and then cut to 17, 18 years later and now it's... It's something that I'm bringing up in a podcast is something that brought the movie down. Did I catch all the cringy moments? I think so. It's a shame because like it takes away from other things in the movie. It's just not needed. The, the Kelly Rowland, this is, there's an exchange between Kelly Ro- Kelly Rowland and Robert England playing Freddy Krueger. Two of the three things I mentioned happened, and you heard one of the other ones already, so there's really only one thing you may not know when it happened. There's references back and forth between them, and that whole scene is cringy for completely the wrong reasons. I understand that Kelly Rowland, her character's supposed to be strong, and she's supposed to be trying to build herself up to prove to Freddy she's not afraid of him, even though she is, because he's approaching her with a handful of knives. So she's saying ridiculous shit to try to make him feel bad. It just comes off as super-duper cringy. But outside of the negatives I put out there, I think, again, and I'm not saying this is a backhand of compliment. I do think the writers were successful in telling a story that managed to take so much that needed to be done and handled it really well. Having Freddie fight Jason in the dream world and the real world was smart. Having the kids tied into it in a way where they're kind of, almost they don't matter until they matter. And even then they don't matter all that much is kind of smart. There's a lot they do right that movies like Alien vs. Predator didn't do quite so hot. So kudos to the team for that. To talk a little bit about the direction of the film, I think that Ronnie, again, Ronnie used style works here to kind of tie together the, we need this to be a big martial arts horror cartoon if we look at nightmare on elm street one and we look at the early friday the 13th like one and two specifically these are legitimate horror films they're not funny they're not trying to be funny they're scary movies and now we cut to Freddy versus jason these are other things completely trying to be horror movies so man it's gone so far from the original starting points of the both of these respective franchises and it's turned into just kind of Looney Tunes almost, but bringing in somebody like you, I think is really smart because he can handle the martial arts. Well, he can handle the comedy bits. Well, he can handle the horror well enough to get it to kind of move on. I think it works. I think his style is good. This is definitely some of the slickest we've seen a Friday the 13th -hmm. film look. It's just, it's clean. The camera moves are very well handled. There is a lot to do. There's some really nice, like even uh, a simple scene like Mark trying to take caffeine pills. There's one pill left in the bottle and Freddy startles him by showing up in his mirror while he's kind of drifting in and out of sleep. And he knocks the pill into the sink and then there's a shot a reverse from the bottom of the drain pipe upwards of the pill going down. Mm -hmm. That's just, good clean camera work like he's done a nice you didn't need that he had to have somebody fabricate a pipe light it and drop the stupid pill in 15 times so you had to have a B unit go out and do all that work just so he had a reverse to cut to smart though because then the editor can cut wherever the hell he wants when you have a good reverse like that so that's good filmmaking that we're seeing here the lighting is hyper stylized it's not dark virtually at any point in this film it's colors but it is not dark the closest we get i think is the opening scene where the girls running through the woods with kind of a shirt, mostly covering one of her boobs. There's a lot of beam light and fog, but it's very obvious that we clearly have at least three to four different moons on earth because of the way the light's coming. It's from all different <laughs> directions. The cinematographer knew enough to put beams in and use the fog to make it beamier, but Also, no directionality from the light, really. So kind of loses out on that. But it looks crisp and clean. It's easy to follow and see. So it's got that going for it. What did you think of the direction on the whole? Did it bother you? Do you think it was good compared to some of the other ones we've seen?
1: I liked it compared to most of the other ones
0: I agree I think his direction is he's a good director he definitely has a unique style and flair I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing ever for something like this maybe something grittier would have worked but I think with the script they decided to go with I think his style matched their script pretty well so I think that overall can't say too much bad about it I mean it's a little much like when Jason and Freddy are hitting each other I don't know if you noticed this but it's very common in martial arts films they'll put like a layer of light dust on people so when they strike them dust comes up it's to give it movement so when the, I'm hitting myself. That's why my voice is doing this. So when they get hit, dust is coming up so it makes the hits look harder because they're pulled punches obviously they're not hitting them very hard but Mm -hmm. then you see the hit and then the dust it makes it look like he's like oh my god how hard he hit that guy when he's like chopping Jason and Fred and there's dust coming up with the blood spurts yeah it's pretty funny how like truly a martial arts film he wanted to try to make this one it's almost more funny to watch that watching it this time I was trying to watch for like the more comedic undertones he was putting in the movie and it's really uh, it's really nice but I think he does a pretty good job with it so it's good to, good to know that it tracked with you. It didn't like. It wasn't just me looking for very minor details like that kind of stuff that it managed to track with you. One minor ding I do want to give this movie is the soundtrack stinks. Other than the scores they lifted from the original films, the rest of the soundtrack is awful. It's like new metal vomit. It's so bad. Oof, it's not good. That's
1: something I don't typically notice, I don't think. No? I don't even remember any music other than the Freddy. I, I think, mean, not Freddy, uh, Jason Normal. Yeah.
0: And then you have the the Nightmare on Elm Street. That's that sting is so good. The doon doon doon. So I love that. Love that little little melody there. It's so good. But then you have just like super forgettable, super forgettable of the time new metal that's just like, "Ooh, can we just not have any part of this in this film?" But there's lots of it, unfortunately. So I did not like the music at all in this film. The performances On the other hand, we lose Kane Hodder, so he's no longer Jason. We have Ken Kersinger, who's in as Jason. Predominantly, the reason from what everybody says that he was hired and Kane was not brought back is because Kane is a little bit shorter. I think he's like five. 10 or 5'11 and Kersinger's like six three or six four. so against England who is right at the 6 foot mark himself I believe Kane wasn't tall enough to square up against Freddie but I think that's kind of dumb because with camera you can make him look taller Doc Brown and Marty had to face eye lines and Christopher Lloyd's like a foot and a half taller than Michael <laughs> J. Fox so you can't tell me that they couldn't make that work but they didn't bring Kane back for this one unfortunately but I think Kersinger he's a little too stiff he doesn't He's got some of the iconic moves that Kane developed as Jason and some of the other minor throwbacks. But overall, I don't think they were too worried about that. I think they wanted somebody who could take a lot of physical punishment and handle a lot of stunts. Freddy's the more physical fighter in this one. He's jumping. He's Leaping, he's flipping, he's diving where Jason's kind of standing and just taking the hits. So they need a good stunt person who can help the other stunt person, make sure that they hit their marks. And I think that's really what most of it was about was just the physicality of it so that they could get stunt performers to make the things look more over the top. Cause I mean, there's points where Freddie performs an elbow drop on a standing Jason, very cartoony in the action. What did you think about the fight scenes on the whole? Did you think they were entertaining? Did you think they were cheesy?
1: I thought they were entertaining. I liked them better than most of everything we see is just Jason slashing everything and there is no fight for the right. most part. So it was nice being able to see them actually go back and forth. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, and you predicted there'd be about two minutes of fighting yeah, at the cool. end. And so there's probably, what, total of about seven or eight minutes of fighting between two different I'd fights. I'd say so, yeah. So it's pretty good. Like, they break it up pretty well. I think that Jason is dispatched in the dream world pretty effectively by Freddy, by him. Jason's now afraid of water, even though he's... Can't be killed by water, as proven by multiple of the franchise includes, but they had to give Freddie away to win. So making him afraid of water. All right, I'll give it to you. He's hydrophobic and because he drowned he is. And they explain it well enough. If you hadn't seen a Jason movie, I think you'd buy it without too much of a of a problem. So that's what they do. And then we go back to the part eight. He turns into a child, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And you immediately said, Oh, look, it's part eight. He manages to win, and then they get into the real world where the kids drag Freddy out, which is very typical of out just about every Nightmare on Elm Street. Or they have to tr- try to figure out a way to battle Freddy in the dream world in some of the later installments, which you have not seen. Though you've seen pieces of now, because they include a bunch of stuff from the past. One that got you pretty immediately was from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, which is the one of the early kills where this kid collects puppets, and Freddy turns him into a puppet by pulling his veins out of his oh, arms yeah, and I his legs. Like and Yeah, it's a wild kill. I think they did a good job of kind of making the nightmare stuff. Freddy's only got one kill in this movie, though. Jason's got, like, 14.
1: (laughs) Unless you include Lori's mom.
0: Yeah, Lori's mom technically could count.
1: technically it was in the past.
0: Part of a Freeberg kill, I guess, is a two-hander. It was an assist and a a goal there on that one. Freeberg's a rip-off Jason Mewes character, by the way. So, Freddy's body count, even though he wanted to rack up all these kills, is... A lot lower than Jason's, and it makes me question a little bit Freddie's motivation. He wants to be remembered, but he seems to just want to murder children more than anything else because he's... Actively getting aggravated with Jason murdering people. I get it. There was, he was supposed to bring you back into power, which he's doing. So who really gives a shit if he's murdering people? But Freddy's so, I need to murder these people. It gets into this very Jason takes Manhattan territory where it's like, why is Jason just focused on them and not just murdering every single person on the subway right now? You kind of lose a little bit of focus. And again, this movie's so big and the scope is so large that I understand some things had to kind of fall by the wayside, but I don't know. It's a tough one, but overall, I think a success. So all we have left is the remake. I don't have to ask you to predict anything about the remake because there's no point. It's a remake. Overall, what do you think you give this film? What's your ranking here? I
1: think I'd give it like a 6.5 to 7.
0: Nice. That's very high.
1: Yeah, I liked it. That's
0: on the higher end for you for sure. It
1: was entertaining.
0: I would probably put it down at like a five five six somewhere in that realm between a five and a six i'd say i'd safely put it i'd say five five i don't think five is fair because i do think it does more well than it does poorly in this particular film but i am far from a fan so I'd, i'd probably be safe at a five five somewhere like that it's in the the middling i'd say of the pack if i had to make my ranking right now that will do it For us, for Freddy versus Jason, a surprisingly good one for Sam, which is nice coming off the heels of Jason in space, we will be back next week with the Friday the 13th remake. Then the following week is the last episode. It will be Our rankings of all of these films that I've had to drag Sam in a sleeping bag through before smashing her against a tree that is this franchise. A long road, but we've almost hit the end of it. So we will rank these the best one to the, the, the worst one to the best one. That's how that works. Worst to best. So you can still submit your lists. Give us all these films from best to worst. And we will add it in to our public poll at the end. So we can kind of see what the critics think, what Sam thinks, what I think, and what the audience at all thinks. So get that into us. You can get us on social media. Superliminal Films everywhere except for Twitter. As I mentioned earlier, it's SuperliminalFLM. Contact at SuperliminalFilms.com for email. So do that. I would appreciate it immensely, again, if we get a secret number of them or more. On this last episode, I will also upset everyone by singing the theme song to the Nickelodeon show, Space Cases. And if you missed the reason for that, you have to listen to the Jason X episode to find out. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye.